I have to admit that I have always had trouble with Thanksgiving sermons, writing them, preaching them, listening to them. They exist between two poles. One is, give thanks for all you have, the abundance God has given you. Celebrate God's grace to you. After all, not everyone has as much as you do. The other is, you have so much to thank God for, more than you need. Shame on you for taking abundance for granted. Give and give more to those who have so much less than you do. So it's either look at the world and say there, but for the grace of God go we, or look at what you have, then look at the world and feel guilty. Now there may be Thanksgiving sermons that avoid those extremes, and if I ever hear one, I'll copy it and preach it. Harvest Thanksgiving in a land of urban dwellers, where every year more and more of the best land in the world lies fallow because of international market conditions or is paved over because so many more of us want to come and live in the city. Farmers who manage to make living by farming have to be businessmen and women first, relying on technology that, well, that separates them from the good earth and the rhythm of seed time growth and harvest making them more like us city dwellers than their farming parents and grandparents. This Thanksgiving weekend, Canadians are more concerned with the impact of the USMCA on the dairy industry than the wonder of God's provision of milk and cheese. I live next door to a Loblaws, and they have all kinds of wonderful things in stock for Thanksgiving. Some of those things actually come from Ontario. I'll wait until they're marked down on Tuesday to fill my freezer. How can we celebrate Harvest Thanksgiving in North Toronto in 2018? The first Canadian Thanksgiving celebrations were held by the earliest white settlers giving thanks for their deliverance from the storms of the North Atlantic. They celebrated even before they had any idea where their food would come from. Many of them, we know, survived the first winter with the help of the people who were already here, people who knew very well where and how to find food all year round. But it was Thanksgiving for survival, not for abundance. But the scriptures call us to give thanks for the bounty of the earth, and for the abundance of God's blessings. We forget that for the people who wrote those scriptures, any crop, any fruit was more than abundance. It was a miracle. Their dependence on God's provision was clear. They trusted God to provide enough, and they learned how to make what they had enough. What they believed God had given them was enough. So we have to sever the connection that we maintain between thanksgiving and abundance, surplus, surfeit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because we live the rest of the year as if the connection between God's grace and the bounty in our kitchens has already been severed. We also live as though the bond between most of us and the earth, God's creation, has been broken. I mean, we know where our food comes from, we just have to read the labels. 
So harvest thanksgiving is a relic of a distant past. But it's good to give thanks. It's also good to have a holiday weekend in the fall. So can we redeem thanksgiving? It's fascinating to see how people outside the church, people who don't employ a Christian or a religious vocabulary, are, 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 are talking and, and preaching the importance of gratitude in our society, the importance of gratitude to our mental health, and some even say spiritual health. According to an interview published by the CBC last week, psychologist Mike Dow says gratitude can become a useful tool in cognitive behavioral therapy. Dow says, gratitude trains our brains to look for what's right in our lives rather than what's wrong. This is especially important when we're going through a tough time. If you're sad today, what he calls mood congruent recall in the brain will light up all your sad memories. So it feels like your life has always been sad and will always be sad. It's hard to be grateful at the time when you need it most, he says. But consciously being grateful can help you gracefully and easily return to a better mood by interrupting the feedback loop of sadness. By consciously training your brain in this way, a gratitude mindset will eventually become your default. And this is 365 days of the year, not just on the first weekend of October, and not just on Sunday morning. But we have to work up to it. Dr. Dow warns there are scientifically proven ways that we can train our brain to be more grateful. One is frequency. You should intentionally be grateful regularly, but not constantly. Research shows that there is such a thing as gratitude fatigue. So it's best to get intentional about your gratitude once or twice a week. So why not make Sunday worship one of those times when we practice being grateful? A kind of workout that can sustain us in a lifestyle of gratitude. And Dr. Dow suggests that we add the word because to expressions of gratitude. Try it at dinner today. For example, I'm grateful for my granddaughter because every time I see her, she shows me that life is good and love never fails. And Jesus tells us to be specific too. He says, look at the birds of the air. Consider the wildflowers in the field. God sustains them for their brief lives. How much more will God sustain you? Look. Look hard. Look close. The Greek word connotes focus. Focus, focus. So put blinders on for a moment. Turn the spyglass around and reconnect with beauty, goodness, givenness, and make it a habit. So I'm not against traditional celebrations of Thanksgiving. Go ahead and have that big turkey dinner in your home, at the cottage, at someone else's place, in a restaurant. Just don't confuse that celebration with the life of gratitude you can live 365 days a year. 
And remember, too, that those feasts we have with families and friends, sharing the best we can provide, we, we can enjoy them any time of year, not just at Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter. After all, our feasts are really about the people who share the food, aren't they? The stories we share, the love that flows, it's not about the size of the turkey, the number of vegetable dishes, or how many pies wait on the counter. Our Jewish neighbors, even those who don't observe otherwise, still have Sabbath dinners and invite friends and neighbors in once a week, not just at festival time. And I can remember going back to the home farm where my mother grew up, where on Sunday evening the table was always covered with food. Sometimes it was potluck, but we were all there, aunts and uncles and cousins, all there together celebrating. We did that in our home, too. Not every Sunday, but whenever we could get together and whatever the occasion we marked or invented. You know, my favorite times were late summer evenings when we'd cover the kitchen table with newspapers, put a big uh, cookie sheet in the middle, and boil up about three dozen corn, cobs of corn. Drain it, and then just take the big pot and pour it into the center of the table, put tea towels around our necks, have bowls of butter and all the salt our hearts could take, and just ate together and laugh together. It's very, very difficult to be dignified when you're chowing down on a buttery cob of corn with a tea towel around your neck. And so we just were together. There was always a pot on the floor to catch the cobs. So yes, we were thankful for the corn and the butter and the salt, and Mom on her knees on the back porch cooking all that corn on a hot plate so as not to heat up the kitchen too much. But it was the connections made and remade, the stories, the laughter that made the memory. And at times like that, life is good, no denying it in those moments. And all we can say is thanks, and it can happen any time. So today, look, really look, as Jesus says. Recognize the givenness of life itself, the simplicity and the intricacy in the smallest beautiful thing you can hold in your hand or draw close to see, touch, smell, even to hear the vibration of life within it. The givenness of life. These are probably the most quoted words of one of my favorite preachers and authors, Frederick Buechner. This is one of the ways he defines God's grace, God's generosity to us. The grace of God means something like, here is your life. You might never have been, but you are because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you I created the universe. I love you. But Beekner says there's only one catch. Like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you'll reach out and take it. And maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift too.
Today, rediscover something that you take for granted. You have forgotten that you can't live without it because you can't remember ever living without it. That something may even be your relationship with God. Amen. Glory to God.